This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host. Today is show 163 and I have the wonderful Dan Palmer back with us for the second time on the show today. Some of you may remember Dan from the first time he was on the show. And if you didn't catch that first show, I implore you to deep dive into what it is that holistic decision making is because uh, today's show is going to make a heck of a lot more sense if you've got your head around the concept. Uh, Some of you may want to just dive in and have a listen to today because it's a really exciting show with some live examples where Dan is actually physically coaching Low Tox Life podcast listeners through big uh, sort of fork in the road decisions they've arrived at in life uh, so that you can actually see holistic decision making in play and you can see what kinds of questions are vital to ask yourself and your family when you're all going through something so that you can make a decision and feel empowered by it. The two decisions that come up in today's show, one is around career and the uh, woman wanting to understand better about what the pros and cons might be in her returning to a more formal job situation versus working for herself uh, and the various impacts on home life, uh, income and all the different things that come into play. And the other is uh, the lovely Lisa who is grappling with the decision uh, as to whether they should homeschool their kids or just continue to try and find an appropriate school for their kids uh, because of the situation that they've found themselves in with the the school they're currently in. So some really, really uh, useful stuff comes out of hearing being a fly on the wall in those conversations because you can kind of see how Dan takes Lisa and Beck through their decision-making processes and uh, helps them arrive at a greater sense of clarity um, through a really specific and excellent set of questions. So I'm really excited to bring you that show. As I said, you can either sort of stop now and go back and listen to the holistic decision-making show that I did with Dan uh, about a year and a half ago, or just have a listen to today because we actually cover some really exciting new stuff and go a little bit deeper and then go back and listen to that show later. But uh, one of my favorite things that uh, came out of today's chat was uh, talking about the role that fear plays in the equation of big life decisions and how we can know when the fear and apprehension is unwarranted or when it is a useful yardstick uh, to help us make good decisions because it can be really, really confusing, right? So I really, really love today's chat and I know you will too. And before I jump into that, I just want to remind you of a couple of things, namely the fact that we have two incredible 
uh, two incredible um, sponsors today for the show. Sorry, completely lost my train of thought. Uh, and we only have one more week of these incredible offers left. So Solid Techniques and Block the Blue Light are both offering you wonderful things. Solid Techniques, uh, as you've heard me talk about in the show this month, is founded by Mark James Henry, the founder of Solid Techniques, probably born to innovate. He's an incredible engineer. Uh, at age three, he woke before dawn one Christmas morning and fully assembled a tricky power construction set that his parents thought he might struggle with. Uh, and so you fast forward 40-something years later, a metal trade, two degrees, several languages, a string of patents, brands and businesses later, and he has developed two extremely innovative world-first cookware uh, brands, uh, Solid Techniques, Oz Iron Wrought Iron and Noni Ferretic Wrought Stainless Steel Cookware. Um, all are made in Australia, all are non-toxic, healthy, sustainable, multi-century durable. And the offer you guys have from Solid Techniques is crazy and I have loved how many people are making the most of this. This is exactly why we have these high-quality supporters to help you make your low-tox swaps. Uh, join us on the show. So you could receive a free 22-centimetre Ozine Sauteurs pan valued at $119.95 with any order over $249. So go choose yourself a really beautiful item and they'll send you the 22-centimetre Ozine Sauteurs with your order for free. Not only that, you also go into the running for winning the uh, collaboration that I did with uh, Mark late last year, the Noni baking tray, which is the uh, nickel-free stainless steel baking tray. It's an absolute delight to bake on. Your cookies will crunch up in a way that they never have and cook evenly in a way that they never have. You don't get any of that back right corner syndrome anymore. And the winner will be announced next week. So this is your last week to jump on that offer as it is your last week to jump on the Block Blue Light offer. And I want to mention straight up that Block Blue Light ships worldwide for free. So everybody can get in on this offer in the community, which I'm very excited about. You get 10% off all your orders with the code LOWTOXLIFE. Uh, and as I said, free shipping worldwide. So blockbluelight.com.au is the website. And if you want my top tips, I think Everybody needs to have the amber light bulbs. They are so, so excellent. Uh, really beautiful, dimming, warming light that you get to have around your home in the evenings, um, blocking a ton of blue light, much better than having your LEDs and halogens and all those sorts of things on. And, uh, and the other thing I would recommend is your computer glasses, which they now also have a kitty version of. And the third thing I'd recommend is the full blue light blocking glasses that you wear more in the evening to block out all that blue light. And uh, the design and technology of these items has come a really long way over the last couple of years. So we are blocking more blue light than ever, which means we're improving our circadian rhythms, we're having deeper sleep cycles, more rapid recovery from workouts, relief from aches and pains. The research is crazy. Uh, you even get, because your melatonin rises so wonderfully in the evenings, that impacts not only your sleep, but the quality of your skin and how it looks, improves your mitochondrial function. I could go on and on. So please do make the most of these offers. Um, 
I absolutely adore the products from Block Blue Light. Dan does a great job. And, uh, and I want to make sure as many of you make the most of this as possible. So you get 10% off the range. Your code is LOWTOXLIFE and the website is blockbluelight.com.au. Uh, and you should also check the week's show notes because we're going to have uh, the competition winner announced very, very soon. So that's all I have to tell you. And now I'm going to let you jump into this fabulous conversation with holistic decision making and design living expert Dan Palmer for yet another fantastic conversation. Uh, and enjoy those live uh, workshops with Beck and Lisa as well. It was really, really exciting to bring that to the show. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm great, Alex. How are you? I am excellent and I am so excited to have you back on the show. <laughs> uh, we're doing something we've never done before, which is live workshopping on the show. So uh, if you can hear the sound of smiling on my face, people, I'm smiling big time, half because I'm like, gosh, I hope this works, like that nervous kind of smile, and uh, the other half because I'm genuinely excited to help people uh, adopt this framework live on the show and then hear from them later and see how it's going for them. But for those of you who haven't heard uh, the first chat that I had with Dan, um, show number 84, um, Dan, can you talk us through... Uh, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> ask you to give us your life story again, uh, as, as wonderful as it is to hear all of that background. I really do want to urge people to go back to show 84 and deep dive on the concept in general and the work you've done to this point. But what is holistic decision making for people tuning in for the first time today? So holistic decision making is a whole uh, oriented mm. approach to making decisions and it, the, the core of it is around articulating with clarity what it is you really want mm. in your heart of hearts as an individual, as a family, as a whatever, and then using that clarity to make decisions. Oh, well, sorry, tuning into where you are relative to what you want and then mm -hmm. making decisions consciously that are all about closing the gap. Mm -hmm. and Amazing. And, uh, and so, We've, we've talked quite extensively in the first show about how that plays out and you shared some fantastic examples about you guys defining as a family, what type of family you want to be. That was one of my favourite uh, favorite learnings from that first show. Um, but I'm keen to hear if there is an example that jumps out from that first show to now where you have gone, right, we need to bring holistic decision-making in for this bad boy. What was that situation? How'd you go about it? Um, well, I mean, I use it pretty much every day. I mean, mm. so I use it, I used it to actually to generate, proactively create the, the shape of my day in the morning and figure out what I was going to spend the day doing. About maybe two weeks ago, my wife and I sat down. There's a lot going on at the moment. It was just time to sort of reset. So we spent some time tuning into what we wanted to be feeling was true of us together and, and as a family for the next six months. And then we, we checked on that and started making some decisions. Like, yeah, three days ago, another one comes to mind, um, which was I, I, I've been invited to attend a large permaculture convergence next April. And so um, rather than just sort of making a knee-jerk decision or tossing a coin, I, I pulled out the work I've done previously on what I want and I tested the decision against that and so far it's looking good. Nice. <laughs> How fantastic. 
and I think, you know, that really is the gold for me is that you just start using it for everything. It becomes a screening tool pretty much, doesn't it? It does. It becomes yeah. your default way of approaching decision-making. Mm. And before we jump on to chatting with our first uh, extra guest today, I want to talk about something that you mentioned just before we started recording, mm. which was three very important things that we get a handle on before we actually start attacking the decisions that come up in our lives. What are they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So three handles or doorways that I feel like as we uh, case study with these wonderful guests, um, we'll probably refer back to. The first one is around attention. And this idea that attention is really um, our, our most fundamental resource, what we attend to. Um, and this idea that I'd heard before that where our attention goes, um, our energy flows. And that's really been sticking in for me lately because where our energy flows is where our life goes. So the shape of our life, what's going on for us is really a consequence of what what we've attended to, what we've paid attention to. And holistic decision-making is about starting to consciously pay attention to our attention and then, um, which is usually all over the place, right? It's pretty normal to wake up and you're thinking, what am I going to make the kids for lunch? I can't believe they said that to me yesterday. Um, is it sunny? Well, you know, our attention is in all these different places, which means the energy of our life is flowing in all these different directions. Um, and so it shouldn't be a surprise if we then discover <laughs> that our life feels fragmented and scattered. Um, Cause that's it's just, it's, that's how it works. That's how the laws yeah, of, the, yeah. of life work. And so holistic decision-making is about kind of calling your attention back in, kind of rallying it, aligning it, and then consciously splitting it. So some of your attention is on what you really want in your heart of hearts. And some of your attention is where you really are. And then you use the tension between those two things to kind of create this um, motivating force to, to make decisions that close them. So that's one um, handle. Mm, interesting. I really like that word tension because tension helps us act, doesn't it? If we harness the power of it. 100%, yep. And we, we so often find ourselves caught in various ruts in life and then we try and climb out of the rut like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do yoga, I'm going to go on a diet, or I'm going to stop smoking, whatever it is. Two weeks later, we're back in the rut because the rut is still there. And so it's like, how do you actually generate new grooves that can become new ruts? And the way to do it is to tune into that tension between where you want to be and where you are and make that the place that your behavior then flows into. Mm, very cool. Number two? Number two. Okay. So this comes from a Carlos Castaneda book, actually. But it's this, this, this idea that if you're in the game of evolution and, um, and, and growth and developing and expressing your essence and, and, and all the rest, um, there's three traps along the path. And it's interesting because the, the solution to each trap then becomes its own trap. So the first one is fear. Mm -hmm. And until you can navigate through your fear, that's as far as you get. And there's different ways of relating to fear. Often it paralyzes us. Often we run away from it or repress it. And yet we all know at some level, I think that the gold in life, as in the treasures, the things we value the most, the, the gold's on the other side of the dragon and the dragon represents the thing we fear the most. I know. So, it's just like Super Mario Brothers in real life. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and so rather than being paralyzed by the fear, the fear that I'm going to fail, that I'm not enough, that I'm flawed, um, that if I show up and be myself, I'll get criticized. We're all, got, we're all carrying a lot of fear. Rather than being paralyzed by it or running away from it, this idea that you can, um, you can use clarity and go into your fear 
and listen to it and learn from it and use it as a source of information and um, energy you, with clarity. And so then you get to clarity, which, which is the, the antidote to fear, but then it becomes its own trap because you can be crystal clear about why you're afraid about what you want, all the rest of it, but clarity alone is impotent. It's powerless. Um, and so it's only when you deploy clarity, when you inject clarity into your decisions and your actions day to day, that's when you become powerful. And so that was the second thing that I, mm. I referred back to. We're ready for the third? Yeah, I'm ready for the third. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so the third one I love, um, which is this idea of moving from problems to potential. So, so often we spend a lot of our time solving problems, dealing with issues, with crises, with stuff that's urgent. Um, where the energy is all about how do we get rid of this thing we don't like, you know, this problem, this thing that's irking me, this crisis, this pain in the ass. And so this, the successful outcome is that basically the thing we're focusing on is going away. And the way I, I see it, the universe kind of, it's as, it's as if the universe looks at us and says, what, what are you into? All right, you're into problems. You're into, into dealing with things that are urgent. Um, so tomorrow I'll give you some more. I'll give you some more. And, and so it goes. As opposed to um, moving to potential. So rather than saying, what problems am I going to solve? What things am I going to tick off on my to-do list today? What's the potential of this day, this week, this life? What's possible here? And how do I creatively and proactively um, move towards developing the, the potential I sense rather than merely solving problems? Mm. It can become an infinite loop. Well, yeah, and every day can feel like you're just wading through a whole bunch of problems to solve. Yeah, and so often we think, well, I know that I've been in the space, if I can just solve you know, these 10 problems, I just tick those suckers off, then I'll be fine. Then I can yeah. kick back. Then I can, you know, realize my potential or develop my potential. Um, but after the, you get to that point, it's like, oh, there's just another 10, another 10, another 10 of years are going by. It's like, no, no, no. The way it works is um, you make the choice and either, either you're in the game of growth, development, potential, or the game of problem solving and, and you know. 100%. And that, that applies to the I'll be happy when kind yep. of thinking, doesn't it? You know, I'll be happy when I have a million dollars. I'll be happy when I've lost 10 pounds. I'll be, you know, we wait till these, but then yeah, the problems never run out between here and then. Uh, totally. Therefore yeah. I'll never be happy until I actually change the yeah. thinking entirely. If only, if only my circumstances, if only this person wasn't doing this to me or circumstances mm. were a little bit different. Why do I have so many problems? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then getting this mindset of, well, if I'm, if I'm clear enough and excited about by what I see is possible here, by, by chasing what I want in life or as a family, then the problems um, are still going to be there, but now they're opportunities and they're things that I can, how, how can I be with, how can I be in the middle of this argument or this chaotic dinner with kids throwing food in all directions or whatever? How can I be that, with that in a way where I'm not just trying to make it all stop? I'm even I'm actually trying to use it as a chance to grow and evolve and and move forward. That's mm. so. It's so big. It's such a different <laughs> way to think than it's we big. often find ourselves thinking. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, wow. Okay, cool. So we might unpack those even more a little bit later on. But now I want to invite Lisa, our first guest, our special guest star, onto the show with us today. Lisa, hello. Hi, Alex. Hi, Dan. Hello, Lisa. Hi. I am, I am really excited to have you here, Lisa. You shared uh, something that your family was workshopping and trying to figure out 
the best way forward with uh, with me on email, which was when I was like, yes, perfect. Let's talk <laughs> about that with Dan. Can you share what it is that you guys are tossing around in terms of um, what you guys are going through as a family right now? Thanks, Alex. So we have um, a six-year-old and eight-year-old daughters. Um, currently in a local primary school. Um, both girls have a lot of anxiety. Um, they're both diagnosed autistic. And we are trying to make sure that we um, nurture and create the right environment to help them feel at their best. And um, I think as a mother, our intuition is very strong. And um, we pick up a lot on the emotional um, energy that they're, they're carrying and we're just trying to work out whether, um, whether, whether the schooling environment that they're in at the moment is, is right for them or whether we need to move to a different schooling way of doing schooling, whether that be homeschooling or looking at other schools. So that's really where we're at at the moment because we just see them not coping in their current environment. Mm, huge. And Dan, you would have, over the course of some of those incredible workshops you've done that a few low toxes have now been to, having listened to our first show and absolutely raved. Uh, so good job. <laughs> uh, but this wouldn't be an uncommon situation. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids that just don't thrive in a regular school environment and then you know half of you can see it half of you just praise that it all just comes together and they be normal enough to thrive there but then the other half is like why can't I bust my kid out of there and do my best for them in an unconventional way it's that wrestle with convention and unconvention so how shall Lisa approach this I'm going to step back now and allow you guys to chat Great. Okay. Hey, I've, I've just got to say before we start, I have two daughters, um, age six and eight. Oh, wow. Synchronicity, <laughs> <laughs> just throw that in. Yeah, yeah just I'll throw that in there. All right, so this is a beautiful example that, that has some characteristics a lot of people will recognise. So something, one thing that's going on here is that, um, or if, if, if I'm hearing this right, is there's there's a problem, you know, there's something that's not feeling right. There's a tension or a or, or, or a clash in your intuition and what you're observing is that the current um, schooling scenario isn't isn't working and so that's prompting you to consider options yes exactly all right yeah so um and this and this, this is very common often there's you know some some clash some tension some problem and we we start considering the options and you've you've you mentioned at least a couple so it's homeschooling another small school for example yep and uh, at this stage, with holistic decision making, the the question and, and the invitation of if, if I'm working with people, and indeed, I'm working with you right now, um, <laughs> can initially be counterintuitive. Sometimes the invitation is uh, forget about the options. Okay. Um, come back to the the problem, and then and then um, look at moving through the problem to the potential. And so I'll explain what I mean. And, and I sense that you've, pro you've almost certainly already done some of this work, which is um, bring your attention to the question of, of clar clarifying and possibly even writing down, um, particularly in a family situation where there's more than one person, what, what is it that I most deeply want to be true of my children's educational experience? And of course, the reason there's a problem is because you're feeling a clash between 
that what the reality, the perceived reality, and what those things are. Um, yes. And what the sorts of work we do on the workshops and, and, and what we do personally is is actually write those things down. We'll come up with a series of statements that um, we need to be feeling true if we're feeling like, in this case, the, the educational experience of your, your kids is everything it could be. So they'll be whatever they are. And you, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll give you a few examples and, and you can, you'll, you'll probably say, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, this, is, this is the sort of thing we've got. So it might be, you know, our kids are, um, are excited to, to and, and looking forward to, to the educational thing, whether it's at home or wherever it is, that um, as well as the facts and figures, they're, they're learning how to learn, learning how to think. They're, they're exposed to a diversity of uh, different people and ages and genders and, and, and you know, learning those skills of being in, in community, uh, community together. Whatever it is, and, and you know, it'll probably be six or eight different things. And then, then that's nested within the you as a family. And there may be some things around that as well. I was thinking too, if, if homeschooling is an option, um, the, there's the third layer, which is what you most want to be true of your life in the, in the coming years, because of course the homeschooling option has some pretty big, <laughs> pretty big implications there. And so, so initially coming back to that, where do, where do, how do I want this to be? One thing we do sometimes is those exercises where you might imagine you want to, <laughs> you're at your own funeral and your daughter's um, are sharing or speaking around their experience of of maybe, you know of, of of the choices you made on their behalf around their education and what deeply how how would you like that to be? So maybe you can tell me a little bit about that because I'm, I'm I'm have no doubt that you've done some work along those lines. Is that right? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I've never thought of it in that way. But I guess that's some of the thinking that we've already done. Um, so I want them to obviously love learning, um, uh, love learning in a way that they want to learn, um, nurture their interests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I obviously would love for them to be able to be confident reading and writing and that kind of thing, but I want them to come out the other end of school for want of a better word. Um, being, confident, um, happy, um, having, knowing what they want to do and following their passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to hold on to their creativity. I want that. I want them to use that. Um, there's a lot of conflict in what I see coming up emotionally for them at the moment and the way that they're almost coping with the school system, because I feel like we're trying it's almost like I don't want to make them fit into the system. I want them to be who they are and be themselves. Mm. And that's really important. I guess that's the most important thing. I don't want them to feel like they need to become somebody else to fit. I want them to be true to themselves. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, it makes sense. And (laughs) and it resonates so much. Yeah. And and of course that's such a common thing in education that a lot of parents out there, I'm sure are feeling that so often it's, what what they're being it's kind of generic stuff that's being imposed to them without being catering to their beautiful uniqueness and supporting their absolutely yeah 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 so this is beautiful so this is exactly <laughs> what i'm talking about you know and it's and often there'll be tears the stuff matters to you this is what you want to be feeling in your heart of hearts and and right now that's the focus how do i want my daughter's experience of school to be uh, or, yeah and and more broadly uh, of of 
being a part of us as a family of education in general, of, of, of growing and, and it might be in the, for the next five years or, or whatever feels like an appropriate unit of time. And so initially that's the place to focus. And what you've just done is you've come up with this, uh, you're building a filter or a, um, a set of criteria that now, or you might call them guiding principles, mm -hmm. values, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes I call them quality of life statements, but now that now you can come back to the, the question of, okay, what are the, firstly, what are the existing options we know about uh, on the, on the table? And you've mentioned a couple. Um, also something that um, that can happen, I find quite often once you've got that clarity about what you really want, is you can move from simply choosing from pre-existing options to actually creating or generating um, paths forward that may not even exist yet. And who knows, you know, it might be a combination of things that exist or uh, there's, particularly in this example, there's so many different ways this could play out, obviously. Yeah, totally. And I guess that's kind of my thinking with um, being uh, in this situation where we're trying to work through this and work out what's the best way to help them feel and function at their best, you know, and grow themselves mm. um, is let's not necessarily move from one system to another system. Let's actually take advantage and create the best outcome that we can that supports everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. One other layer I'll mention is that, and this often um, turns out to be useful for folk, and it may, may have some relevance here, which is often people think about, they're making decisions between, um, for example, where our kids are going to be going to school for the next five years or where, where we're going to be living for the rest of our life. And, and that can lead to a, a uh, kind of a paralysis because the decisions are so big and often often there's the opportunity to shrink the decisions now down and to, and to make smaller decisions about basically doing experiments. So it might be say, well, let's pull them out of a school and do an experiment in homeschooling for the next week. And then at the end of the week, we'll have information that we don't have now um, that will enrich the conversation. And rather than holding, 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 trying to make the perfect decision. You just make small decisions that are relatively low risk and inexpensive that you know will generate information that, that gives you more clarity um, in, in moving forward. Uh, that's a really interesting perspective. And the reason that actually resonates a lot with me just hearing you say that is that um, I, when you are having the conversation between two parents and there can often be two different perspectives, based on lots of different reasons. Um, I think um, I'm more type A, let's do this, whereas my husband would probably, that would really help him and us as a family kind of work out, okay, this is really low risk. Let's just do bite-sized yep. decisions and then see what that tells us. Bit of a barometer. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Oh, great. With, with the, um, the, the conversation, one, one thing I'll mention that may resonate with people out there too is that so often we have, we have a problem. We have a, sometimes it's an opportunity. One way, another, one way or another, the universe prompts us to make a decision and we go straight to options. And as soon as we go to options, um, we, 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 we can choose one that for whatever reason appeals to us and we can say, hey, I think this is a good option. And often um, 
another person in the conversation, which may be your spouse, you know, they might have a preference for another option. So they'll say, well, a problem with the option you've just said is, you know, here's a con and here's a pro of my option. And so, the, and then unconsciously we can sometimes be thinking, hang on, I just suggested an option and now it's been kind of criticized and it was my option. So I'm being criticized. So I'm going to come up with a, you know, I'm going to meet them and raise them with an, and then suddenly it's a pros and cons sort of debate argument dynamic when it's like deep down, we probably want the same thing. So let's can the options and bring our attention back to what do we really want deeply to be as a family, as parents, and let's agree on those. And it's usually a lot easier to agree on those because those aren't about anything specific. And then when you come back to the options, it's like, hey, we've already agreed that we want this to be true, this to be true, this to be true of whatever we choose. Now, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, what, what the heck was I thinking about that? That's obviously going to clash with three, that sort of thing. So I've, personally, in my relationship with my wife, that's been absolute gold. I don't know if that adds anything. Oh, absolutely. And it just takes, for me, that takes away the subjectivity of it all. And it brings that objectivity to what's the guiding principles or quality of life statements or whatever you want to call it it keeps bringing it back to that and making sure that every everything that you're or decisions you're making are fully aligned with that so yeah i had never thought about it that way that's really powerful oh brilliant that's awesome yeah and this is part of what i mean this idea of moving from problems to potential and you're like thanks thanks to the problem for prompting this whole thing but let's not just consider a successful outcome the problem's not there anymore how can we use this to clarify what what's the potential of us what's the potential of our daughters what's the potential of us as a family expressing ourselves and developing and contributing to the world and how can we use this opportunity to make a decision that isn't just about making something go away but say it's creating something you know that's lifting us up and, and moving us forward yeah, that's that's really powerful. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Love goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you. That's great to hear. So, I mean, that almost gives me goosebumps because so much of this for me is about bringing these distinctions and ideas in through the intellectual mind, which is great. But but if they stay there, that's as far as they get. Um, but, but having them go down into your body and become part of your experience and goosebumps is one indicator that that's happening. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think the other reason it resonates is because I'm a, at a bit of a um, point of opportunity in my own life in terms of um, creating a, um, a business for myself, which is truly aligned with my authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have kind of been pondering on that the last few days and just thinking I guess without realizing it, whether this is an opportunity for the whole family to grow and maybe it's not dis uh, two distinct or two or three distinct decisions. It's actually part of a greater whole. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, I love that. Yeah. That's great. Yes. And that's, a, that's another huge layer to the soft. And we, 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 we're kind of deciding about things that as if they're separate and they can end up leading, sometimes tearing us apart but leading us in different directions as to what what would it mean for my life to be an integrated whole where what i'm doing for my vocation my career my livelihood is integrated with and complementary to me as a wife or a husband or a parent um and so as we as we move forward we feel more integrated and not not scattered or fragmented absolutely and then we radiate that and mm. then you know and our children mirror that back to us so it's so powerful yeah 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 thank you so thank good you. thank you so much for joining us lisa that was a really 
um, generous of you to decide that you were happy to share that publicly. Uh, and, uh, and I think will just help so many parents. It's maybe for them, it's not going to be, do I homeschool or do we choose a different school or do we keep them at school and work on the anxiety? But it's going to be some other, you know, I mean, hello, as parents, there are things that come up <laughs> quite often for all of us. So really, really beautiful that you were able to come and share that and, uh, and help kickstart a conversation that I know will be happening in so many households as a result. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. It's been so helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Dan. Beautiful. That went so smoothly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, our mm. first little tech yeah. invite. Um, and so we have a few seconds. Oh, and here she is. <laughs> so, Rebecca, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Fantastic. You Hello. have arrived just in time. Lisa just left us. And you are our second workshopping problem live, turning it into potential. Uh, and basically uh, what your situation is, is more on the professional scale. So you're dealing with something very personal uh, and trying to integrate that into how your family uh, operates and how different career decisions are going to impact not just you but the family as well the family purse and all the things we're always thinking about in these decision making moments and Dan is here to help you with that so why don't you share what it is that you're grappling with and tossing around in your head and talking to your husband about and then I'll, I'll leave it to you and Dan to discuss awesome thank you welcome hi Dan Hi, Rebecca. Good to meet you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> um, well, I've been trying to, I've been self-employed for 12 years and um, the joy of that is it comes in ebbs and flows and you have to work when you work sometimes and um, just the impact it has on the family. And uh, my husband keeps saying, why don't you go and get a real job and, mm -hmm. you know, set hours and things like that. And part of me likes that freedom that it would create in my head, but the rest of me just, I suppose, is like, I love the flexibility and the passion and everything else I can do in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to tick all the boxes, bring income into the family, um, but also tick my boxes because, yeah, as a mama, sometimes you lose a part of yourself and maybe through work is where you, you get some of that. Mm -hmm. Great, lovely, clear uh, description of the situation. Um, all right, well, so yeah, well, my, my intention here is to hopefully be of some use, but really, it's really around um, asking questions and, and, and sharing how using holistic decision making, you might just start to think about how you'd approach this. Yeah, great. Okay. So one, one thing that's coming up for me that I'll mention, um, and what I'll tell you, one, another thing I'm doing is, I guess, um, look, looking for opportunities where the specifics of your situation might tie into general ideas that might be of use to others as well. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so one thing that's coming up for me is this distinction between um, compromising and accommodating. So, so often in life we think, and this is, to me this is a pretty clear example. Yep. It's like, okay, um, I can do something that brings me passion, brings lights my heart up, brings me alive. Um, or I can do something that has regular hours and is easy for my family to navigate. Yeah. Consistent income. And so 
often our default way of thinking, how do we reconcile these, these different forces or different things that are pulling us is compromise. How do we compromise? Yeah. And what compromise means is that um, neither of the two impulses or directions is honored. You basically go about halfway in between. Mm. And this can happen between different parts of yourself. It can also happen when it happens between two different people. It means that neither person gets what they want, um, which another word for that is a lose-lose situation. A friend of mine, one friend of mine, um, Bill Reed, he he sometimes says the whole idea of compromise is a slow way to to die. <laughs> each, each time you compromise, you actually go away from what um, is about honouring. The the alternative way of thinking about it is how do I accommodate or how do I harmonise? these these in, impulses I have. So the impulse to what generate or whatever amount of money I need to, to show up as a, as a, a mother and a partner in a certain way, as well as this impulse that I hope we all have, which is to really honor ourselves and to be expressing our essence in the world and, and feeling that we're as fully as we are able to developing our um, own potential. And, yep. and, and so the question I like to invite people into is what would that look like? How could you generate or create, make up, invent, uh, a shape to your life and the way you show up day to day that really honors and listens to all these different, um, different things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, listeners are going to hear some common themes here. So the, the first, one of the first things I would, would um, suggest in a situation like this uh, is turn off your husband. <laughs> <laughs> So bring, bring, it's like bring your husband up on the, your internal screen and hit delete. You can, you can undo later. So you'll, he'll come back later. But, but initially, um, take that voice out of the equation and listen to your own internal voices and take the time, maybe go to the beach or do something that gets you in a grounded, centered, calm space and take the time to dive into your heart and, and lay out, clarify, articulate, what is it? that brings me alive. What do I need to be feeling if my life is infused with richness and quality? And you've already mentioned a few of those things. Yeah. And often there'll be um, five, six, seven, eight of, of them. And you, you make a start and they'll keep evolving. Yeah. And at, and at this stage, you're, you're, you're forgetting about the specific situation, the decision, the options, the husband, your, the opinion of your friends, whatever else. It's just, first of all, I'm going to honor what it is that I want because there's something I want. Something else I'll mention here briefly is that sometimes when I invite people to do this, they say, Dan, that's not realistic. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not realistic for me to be honest about what I want because I'll never get it anyway. Life's too complicated. There's just too many comprom compromises. And one thing I'd like to suggest, and I got this from a writer called Robert Fritz, is that I don't think it's realistic to lie to yourself. I don't think it's realistic to not be honest about what you want because what you want is what you want. <laughs> It's in you, it's, and it's in you, it's in your heart to be drawn out. Yeah. Um, and so taking that time to, to own that and to, to get clear on it, to use the, to, to, to bring clarity to that. And so, I mean, maybe, maybe have a go now. If you, if I, if I, if I was to ask you, what, what are some of the core things you need to be feeling are true in your life um, for you to, um, to, to feel alive? Um. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> we don't do trivial questions on this show, Rebecca. So I suppose it's just about serving others, helping others. Um, I, I, 
every career opportunity I've gone down has been about that, mm-hmm. um, inspiring others. Yep. Um, and now I've got a real, uh, I suppose, yearning to look after the planet and help mm-hmm. others look after the planet. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my, I suppose, biggest focus and, yeah, service to others. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so those are two great examples that whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing, however I'm showing up, if I'm not in service of others, if I don't feel that I'm serving other people, then something's going to be missing. Some, some, there's going to be quality in my life. That, that there's going to be potential that's not being realized. And the same for looking after the planet. And there'll be other ones as well. There'll probably be something around your own um, physical and emotional health. You know, it's important to you that whatever you're doing, that you feel in a space of physical and emotional health. There'll also be things that matter to you about the nature of your relationship with your um but with uh, with husband kids yeah with your husband with your kids i have a separate i have one statement for how i'd like my relationship with my wife to be another one for how i'd like my relationship with my kids to be because obviously if those if those things aren't being honored then you, you're going to take a hit there as well yeah yeah that's right and so there's usually more than there's there's at least five there's usually something around um the planet, the rest of nature, which you've got, there's usually something about your creative contribution, um, yes. which sometimes people think of when they think of work or career or vocation. There's usually something about your health, about your relationships, often about your community, you know, the friends and your support network and so on. Sometimes there's something around um, the spiritual side to life. Whatever they are, um, actually write them down because often they'll, they'll, and what you're doing is you're inviting them to kind of emerge from, from your body, from your heart, from your gut from from all of you and then using your conscious mind to articulate them and you want to get them to a point where you when you read them something inside you goes yes you know something like your spine quivers or you your waters rise um yeah and 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 that's powerful stuff that's 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 and and it can be scary to to do this work and you come you can come through that fear get clear on this stuff and now you're 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 in a position where you can step into your, to your power, to, 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 to taking your power. Now, what I'd also suggest in this situation is um, you do that and then, and you can also do it for how, how do we want to be as a marriage or as a family? Yeah. Cause you want to honor that as well. So you might have a series of statements. In my case, I've got a series of statements for me personally, for, um, for, for us as a, as a, as a family. And so there's, there's hours of, <laughs> of heart, <laughs> heart searching and entering. And the conversation about how we want to be a, as a family, of course, that's a conversation where your husband and your kids, um, you, you want them to be involved from the very beginning. And, and at this stage, it's even if, if possibly one of the people in the conversation invites us to, oh, well, I, th- I th-, you know, goes back to options. Well, I don't think you should do this. We'll get, we'll get back to that. But right now, let's just talk about how we want to be as a family. Yeah. And who, who doesn't, you know, how, how can that not be about a deal? Let's just talk about how we want to show up as a family. What, what do we want the energy to be as we sit around the table? Um, you know, what do we want to be doing and feeling and being together? Yeah. And then when you've got all that, that clarity, now you can come back to the, um, the, the options. Um, and, and as I said to the last guest, so often when you have the clarity, you can come back to the options with that generative thing of how do, how do I invent something? Maybe, maybe there's some path in between the two that seem like the only two options or there's some other t- completely different path. But ahead of anything else, I'm going to strive to come up with a way of moving forward that honors all of this stuff. Because I know that if I dishonor or compromise any of these things, that yeah. 
know, I, I won't be really real, um, developing or realizing my potential. Anyway, I've said a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'd be good to hear what you're making of all this. And yeah, look, that makes perfect sense. And I suppose I've been caught in a place of paralysis for the last six months going, okay, what am I doing? Like, and I've been looking for jobs and I haven't been working my own business well and I haven't achieved anything, uh, but yeah. I haven't sat down and really been clear with myself. I suppose everything that you've just said, uh, but that makes perfect sense. If I get that clear, then the right opportunity for the right thing will come along. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be open to seeing it. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes both of those things can happen. Somehow, weirdly, magically, whatever you want to call it, stuff starts showing up that ticks all the boxes or you, 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 the blinkers are enlarged and suddenly you just see things that were already there that you couldn't see before. And, yeah, and now, can, I, can I interrupt here? Is that the same theory as when you're um, thinking, you know, I'm not so passionate about buying cars these days, but say 10 years ago, and then you would have, um, you would have gone, oh, yeah, I really like that car. You've never seen it before, never really noticed it. And then in the traffic, it's literally the only car you can see and it feels like half the suburb has that car. How did you never see that this car was there? Is that the same kind of thing that's happening in our mind when we get clarity on things? and then tuning into that potential matchups seem to happen more easily. Mm. I, 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 I think it's closely related. There's something, something mm. of the same. It's just like you're priming your eyes to see something that they, they're not used to seeing and suddenly, holy shit. Yeah. And, and it, there's, a, there's a funny thing here that I find in the workshops because on the one hand, when I get this across to people, they're like, Dan, I don't want more options. Like I'm struggling to choose between two or three options. I don't want you to tell me there's actually a thousand. <laughs> like I'm already feeling paralyzed. The, the thing to get across is that's happening in conjunction with getting clear on where you want to head. And that becomes a criteria um, which rules out most of the options. And so once you're clear on where you're heading, the more options, the merrier, because you can easily, well, not, not work, but you know, a lot of them just go in a different direction. And, and, yep. and, and often the, the, the options you think you've got to choose from, they're not taking you directly towards um, where you really want to be. And in your experience, creating this clarity, does it also remove the, um, I suppose, the fear of having a go and that kind of thing? Like, or does it help? Very much so, yeah. That's yeah. part of, I suppose, being self-employed and, and trying something new or just the whole changing a career um, is the fear of, is this the right thing for me? Is it going to mm. work? Um, am I good enough? Am I good enough? <laughs> no, I don't have the right skills. No, let's just sit on the fence for a little bit longer. Yeah. 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 And, and if I try and fail, then so-and-so is going to say, I told you so. And all, yeah, all the rest of it. Yeah, totally. We, we spoke about this earlier, this idea that if you're a human being, there's fear. You're carrying fear with you and it, whether you like it or not. And it's not a bad thing that, that, it, that it can paralyze you or you can run away from it. So, yeah, I was saying, right, so right on. Yeah, that this, to me, part of what you're doing when, you, when you're articulating what it is real, you really want is you're, you're gently going into your fear because one, one fear I think a lot of us have is that we're actually afraid of being honest with ourselves about what we really want for whatever the reason because we'll never get it. Sometimes I think because we're afraid of how bloody, you know, ridiculously, insanely, <laughs> the, 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 the scope of the potential. Can I actually handle my own <laughs> my own brilliance if I if I if I if I let it? Yes. I let it go. So I suppose just being honest with ourselves is it's scary. <laughs> mm, it should be yeah. scary, and it is scary. Yeah, yeah. 
you never know what you'll find if you really tap into it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, you, 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 you don't, you don't go all the way, you know, you, you, you take steps. So you're on the edge of your comfort zone, but as that clarity accumulates about what I really want here, then when you do come back to the reality of where you are, what's going on, and this can be hard for people too. Um, Cause the, the point is that it's not just about saying, here's what I want to be. Um, you also need to, ch to be honest about where you are relative to that. And that can be scary. You know, I might yeah. say I want this, I, want, I might say I want an amazing relationship with my partner, and then when I come to the question of well, how's my relationship right now, it, it can be scary to admit to myself that it's actually pretty crap right now, or, or it is, you know, it is where it is. We we can we can distort it, make it better or worse than it is. But if you're yeah. clear about that too, then you have these two things, and there's a there's a gap between them. Where I want to be, the things I want to honour in my life, and where I actually am, and you can start stepping into the tension that those two create. And using that to motivate and inform decisions and, and actions that take you forward. Oh, one other thing I thought would be might be useful is, which I mentioned the last person too, and it so often is, is often we think we're choosing between this career or this career or stopping this business. You've got all these options in between, and you can you can make them more bite sized. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll go and do work experience or volunteer at this company for a week or two days and just see what happens or I'll go and have a conversation with someone else that works there and I'll just take steps, take actions, small actions that will give me information that will reduce the fear and increase the, the clarity. Okay. Yep. Good mm -hmm. way of saying it. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> a lot to take in. <laughs> a lot to yeah, take I'm gonna, in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'll stop raving now. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe share. If, I mean, maybe share. Just share some of what's going on for you. What are you feeling in, inside right now? What's What's coming up? If, if... Um, I suppose it's just now, just taking time to to focus on that rather than trying to look for an actual answer. Yeah. Um, that's what I feel like I've been doing for six months. Mm -hmm. Just trying to find an answer. And the answer that you're trying to find is out there, isn't it, Beck? Instead of yeah. inside. Instead of inside, which mm. is probably yeah, that's the big step I've been missing is going inside, working that out, um, which will lead to the other, to to what's next. And small bite sizes is fine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and including the family with it, but in a different way than making them the priority, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and that can be a big thing for a lot of people. A lot of mothers that come on workshops, it can be a real, a big deal to, because to, for a life of prioritizing others and serving others to, to say, hey, where am I on all this? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, <laughs> that's probably where we, we put everybody else first, and then it's mm. that, hang on, it's okay to, to say, well, mum's doing this, and yeah, it'll bring this to the family. Yeah, it's okay to say, hey, mum's doing what she wants to do, what brings her alive, and we're, we're benefiting from that beautiful radiant energy of, of a person who's on their path, walking their path, yeah. Yeah, and especially if you can, you know, find a way where they can join in or maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they jump on board with you, but only if you've got the clarity around it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that clarity, you know, because one, one thing that can happen is you can – you know, you, you, you can, you can, the way you communicate things, if, if you communicate things with the clarity that this is not negotiable, this is something my heart needs to feel is true. So whatever happens, this is being honored. If that's yeah. the energy of it, people are like, oh, right. Okay. Got it. Okay. So whereas if you're like, well, I'd kind of like to be kind of nice if, if this, 
what they're hearing is off. Oh, I just push a bit harder. You, you know, I'll get you to compromise on that. So it's that it's that owning that clarity and, and giving yourself permission to to honour what matters to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. I've probably been there for the last six months saying, oh yeah, I'd like to do this, but maybe I should do this. Yeah. Yeah, so true. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, sometimes you need to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Some of it's not. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, some of it's sometimes even things you've probably said to yourself, but it can be useful to hear someone else say it too. I feel like these conversations are. It's like I don't want them to stop. I, we need to check in again. <laughs> Where are, are they now? <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to check in in a week and, and give you a kick up the bum if you haven't done anything. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to hold you both to that. Brilliant. (laughs) Beck, thank you so much for joining us. All you have to do is press leave this meeting and then you will disappear into the beautiful background of those birds I can hear where you are. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day. Beautiful. Thank you, Dan. And thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. All right. See ya. Catch ya. Catch ya. That was really exciting to do those two examples live and (laughs) such common examples. I mean, who hasn't had a grapple with a career fork in the road or as a parent with what to do that is going to be the best for their kids at some point in their yeah, they're great examples, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Like, for many of us, these are things that recur weekly or monthly or, you know. Totally. And interestingly, uh, especially in the professional example, the fear piece is huge, right? Especially if the question is around doing something yourself, because when you make something just you, yep. there's a huge vulnerability in that. It's something I feel you would feel it too as a self-employed person. Um, every day, if, if not, um, at least weekly or monthly, oh gosh, is this going to be, and being crystal clear on the stuff that you want, that is paramount to you feeling fulfilled professionally is such a huge piece of overcoming that fear. Um, can we unpack that a little bit more because fear is such a biggie. Uh, maybe it could be in a, a personal situation as well. Like, you know, do I say yes to the proposal? You know, how's my life going to be? Or there's so many decisions where fear just comes and sweeps in and almost tries to take control of us and you can feel really powerless. So how do we become empowered in the face of fear? What's the, is there an easy way? Um, I, I, I don't think easy is the word for it. <laughs> Damn. I, mean, I thought I'd give it a try. I'm loving this journeying into the feeling space. You know, I'm, I'm a university educated middle class white male, so it's been a journey for me. It's a long way to my, from my head downward mm. to plug into this thing sticking out of the bottom of my head that has these things called feelings. Um, and I've been, I've, one thing I've been getting into since we spoke last is this thing called possibility management and one it, it brings this amazing perspective on fear which is that um for they, they say that fear is the the archetypal energy and resource of the magician of the creator and so you actually need fear to create anything and so that you everything you've done with low-tox life you know that fear has been there every step oh the yeah <laughs> it's, it's an amazing resource and so it's monitoring it and, and i guess moving back and forward so you're at the right spot because if you can't if there's no fear um, 
the magician is le le the, or the sorceress leaves you. Um, and if there's too much, you get shut down. And one thing they talk about is that you can actually call in a little bit of anger. And so sometimes if you lift your anger, it's like the, um, the, the, the warrior or the warrioress, it, it, it creates a safe, safer holding space that and I'm, I'm starting to trust and learn. Like for example, even in this conversation, I've felt fear and I've, I've um, welcomed it. You know, it's like 10% fear or something going into these case studies. I don't know mm. what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> a little bit of fear that it could be a complete disaster. I haven't done yeah. this before. Oh, I had that same fear. I was like, oh my gosh, the tech's not going to work. The sound is going to stuff up. There'll be too much noise in the background. We didn't brief the guests about noise. Yeah, all the things. Yeah, that's all there. And, and yeah. it's so enlivening though. You know, it's like, mm. and, and I, I actually, at one point I did, I was, I, I was a feeling of just, um, creating a, the holding space and letting that fear flow through my body and listen to it and, le and this idea of leaning into fear um, and, 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 and get, just starting to get on friendly terms with it. Mm. And also that piece around the clarity, which I think came out of that one as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had uh, the wonderful psychologist, uh, Joan Rosenberg from um, the States on the show a few months ago and her book, 90 Seconds to the Life You Love, of course, is a catchy title that a, that a publisher just wants on the front of a book so that they can sell a ton of copies. But for Joan, what it is is a deep dive into this 90 seconds where discomfort and uh, ill feeling comes up as mm. it invariably will on a daily basis throughout our entire lives and to know that physiologically we are going to experience that feeling for about 90 seconds. So oh, if yeah. we have patience around it, we lean into it, as you just oh. said, and let it move through us, mm. it will pass like a thought in meditation. Yep. You know, you do, rather than going, oh, no, my, my brain is just you know, all the thoughts and I can't do this and there's that stupid guy on the bus again in <laughs> my head, in the meditation, um, whereas we just acknowledge and let things pass through us, it tends to allow us to make friends with these. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? Yeah, I love that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I'm also, I read a book, oh, something about emotions by Carla, Carla McLaren, and, yeah, this idea that that feelings are, you're not alive if you're not feeling like humans have feelings mm. don't you know deal you know accept that and then th these feelings are constantly knocking at the door of our conscious mind and if we and often we don't listen because we're emotionally numb and so we don't open the door and if we don't open the door it's not that they, they don't stop knocking they knock more loudly and if we still ignore them at some point they smash the door down you know and, and often the, you know, it's, it comes in the form of universe throwing some kind of crisis at us um and all they want to do is be heard. They just open the door, receive the message from the fear or the anger or the sadness or the joy or whatever it is. And then, and like you said, let it, let it flow. And in 90 seconds, it's gone. Whereas if we don't open the door in 90 seconds, it congeals into um, an emotion. And, and, and most of us have layers and layers and layers of these unlistened to unwitnessed feelings. Wow. Congealed is such a good word. Cause I'm now picturing emotional clots. Yeah, you know, and like blockages of energy, it makes it a really um, good visual to, to and understand. It's, I mean, it's part yeah. of the deal, right? Because as soon as you start to do the some of the kind of deep work we're talking about, well, what what do I really want? Going into the fear, stuff comes up that mm. that wasn't dealt with, and sometimes it's you know happened when you're five or six or seven or, or whatever else. And so part part of it is realizing that's going to come and being able to keep moving in the face of that, because again, that can 
and it can shut us down. I mean, it's a whole, I mean, early days for me, but I'm so excited to discover the world of feelings and, and to realize that I can, that I don't need to label them good or bad. You know, it's mm. just their feelings, they're a source of energy and information and they're kind of a neutral resource that I can channel and, and call on. Amazing. Mm. And you referenced yourself as a middle-aged white guy, <laughs> middle-class educate, uni educated, um, almost as if that was a, a typical example of someone who has never really been able or allowed uh, culturally to acknowledge feelings, make feelings a part of your life, become vulnerable. Is part of the work that you seek to do in the future to support men in that transition? Yes. Totally putting you on the spot here, but it just seems like such a, and I'm not trying to workshop your career, Dan, but, <laughs> but it just seems like such an important piece in this quest for equal representation, respect, etc., cetera, um, where I see a lot of men becoming lost because they don't know the way into this new dynamic themselves. Um, you know, that's, there's a huge change involved for men here too. This is not just women getting to step up to the plate and we're all together and equal and we're done now. Yep. Uh, men have a lot of growth uh, to do for this to work for everybody too. And I feel like if we don't acknowledge that, men end up losing instead of women winning too, if you understand oh, yeah. what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, mm. 100%. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it's something I'm fascinated I love working with men and women and the, the dynamic, you know, like one thing I've, I've been exploring for a while, I'm starting to make a bit of headway on is, is where I stand on this whole thing around, you know, equality. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, which, which I see so much value. And on the same time, there's, there's a part of me that's like, there's also some, there's non-equal, you know, there's differences mm. <laughs> as well. Um, in, in where men and women came from and, um, the different kind of energies and and how do we how do we honor all of these things at once and what what is it and 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 also the excitement of the potential for a a, a, a man who's really in his manness and a woman who's in her womanness you know what what what's possible when those kinds of energies come together and uh, mm. um, able to uh, synergize and, and express without everyone trying to be the same <laughs> yeah exactly 100 percent. this is definitely not about creating androgynous everybody um yeah, yeah. and uh, something really refreshing was a conversation i had on the show with dr john gray the men are from mars women are from venus uh, yeah. icon mm. uh where uh when i want i i had a um a not a prejudice i had an idea of how the conversation was going to go um, and I expected it to be more around stereotypical um, man-woman differences. Mm -hmm. But John went deep, deep, deep into biology and hormones and what kind of hormone balance is required for a man to feel empowered and in line with purpose and how that's different for a woman. Mm. And so, you know, equality is wonderful. And yes, we want everybody to realize their full potential, whether they're a man or a woman, but fundamentally our physiological design and needs require us to honor that in a different way, um, depending on gender. And so that for me is really important part of the conversation too. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll 
have to check that one out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it across. Um, and I've totally tangented, but it really did catch my ear when you, you sort of literally stated your demographic. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a really important one to talk about. So um, before I let you go, there is one more thing I want to ask you, which mm-hmm. is people will have listened to today's show, listened to these real-life examples from Lisa and Beck, and be wanting to deep dive and do work on themselves. You know, what is true for me to yeah. be truly alive? Uh, and that can be really scary. Mm. I think even scarier can be if you're with a long-term partner Mm. where you need to somehow announce this to them, (laughs) this thing that you haven't even ever dared get in touch with yourself. How do you bridge between each other in this conversation and not make it an attack in a way that they might feel that somehow they're responsible for you not having had the space to honour yourself? I mean, there would be so many things that would come into this. Oh, it's huge. It's huge, yeah. I mean, I'll mention one one example, um, and then we'll, I think we'll come back to that the, the, the second bit you mentioned of how do you communicate it away where there's, yeah, yeah, there's cool. no sense of judgment or um, this is what I really want. And it turns out you've been holding me back for all these years, you bastard, or anything like that. <laughs> so my co-director Adam Grubb um, used to really um, uh, give me the shits. He used to really annoy me and bug me. And as I worked on it and realised what, what why this was the case, I realised that his problem was that he wasn't enough like me. If, you, if, if only he was more like me, everything would be fine. <laughs> and that was his problem, was it? <laughs> yeah, totally. It was totally his problem. And um, I realised, whenever, whenever I was, because it was just so different to me. And whenever, a lot, that was underneath. A lot of the conversations, I'd be saying, hey, could you get back to your email sooner or get better at navigating because you don't have a licence and I'm driving, we keep getting lost or whatever it is. Or could you brush your hair before you show up to work? Um, what I was really saying is, hey, if you were more like me, everything would be fine. And it took a while to realise, firstly, that if he was exactly like me, it would be a disaster because mm. it'd be all, all these parts of the, we, of the business we needed to service that I couldn't. Someone like me is useless at. Um, and uh, and secondly, that he was him. And if he didn't get to be him and be in a way that honoured his himness, um, then he would leave the business. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't get to choose what he wants. And that was a huge realization for me. And I think this is something can apply to romantic and you know, life relationships as well. Is, is this person wants what they want and that's real for them. And I don't get to choose that. And it's kind of futile for me to, to, to not, you know, to not to try and talk them out of that or to not like it. And, 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 to me, that feeds into the conversation of if you can communicate in that way, hey, I've been doing some work and, and maybe you'll stage it and be gentle at first. I've realized that one thing that's really, really important for me is this. And the, the language is, this is something that I need to be feeling is true increasingly. And, and that I want to move towards. It's not saying I need to be true tomorrow. If, if you can hit the right note, it's, I think it, it can be done in a way that that's not confrontational, that's not judgmental. At the same time, I think it's very important, and there's probably some appropriate fear around this, if you're tuning into what really brings you alive, what matters most to you and communicating that to others, you want to be in a, have an attitude of, um, let's say you go into a conversation where you communicate that stuff. You don't want to make your definition of how successful the conversation was 
depend on the other person's response, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if I can share what I'm really about, if they accept it and it's a great conversation, then it was a success. You know, it was, it was, it was a success if I could share this stuff in a way that was true to me and I can't predict how it's going to land for other people. And there might be some discomfort or some reactivity or, or some judgment or some guilt or whatever it is. I can do everything I can to have it land in the right way, but I can't um, be attached to any particular outcome because the other person is the other person and they're going to do what they do based on where they're at at the moment. That, that, um, that kind of thing. I don't know if that's <laughs> useful or on topic. Yeah, absolutely. No, it definitely is. And then so... What if that reaction, though, or opinions expressed by the other party uh, not demand that you compromise necessarily, but um, demand that you think things through? (laughs) I'm trying to put another word to compromise. Um, How do we stay in our oneness of ourself and what is true for us? in a physical situation where um, we need to be flexible. Is that a better way to ask that question? I don't know if I've asked that question. I think so. I mean, it sounds like the, the challenge of life in general, in a sense to me, you know, there's all these things that we're trying to honor. Mm. How do we shape our life pattern, configure choices knowing that along the way, um, you sometimes to me, it's a last resort. Sometimes they may, and if it's a last resort, I'd still want to see it as only a stepping stone, a gateway thing. Mm. It's a bit of compromise. Okay, for the next little while, these things are going to um, be compromised or, or take a hit while I get these things in a stronger place and then I'm going to come back to those things. Oh, that, that brings me to this really good dis- distinction. Mm-hmm. Go. Got to share this with you. Got to share it with you. So, uh, uh, there's the, is it Orwell? There's the book, uh, there's a book in which there's this famous quote, which is all animals are created equal, but some animals are created more equal than others. Ooh. Um, just the names escaping me. The farm. I think it's the farm. Anyway. Okay. When you, when you write these guiding principles, core values, these things that are supremely important to you, some, often we call them quality of life statements. And if you don't know what quality of life statements means, go back to show 84. We talked very much in big detail about that. Lots of examples. Mm. So you come up with these things and at first you might think they're all equal, but within them, I got this from a book, I think it was the, the big thing or something, the one big thing. But anyway, it was this distinction between crystal balls and rubber balls. And the difference is that some of these statements are rubber balls. So for example, one of my statements is that I exist in a state of deep and deepening connectedness with the rest of the natural world as I flow through it and it flows through me. That's something that if that's not true, my quality of life takes a hit. At the same time, I could be locked in a, um, or I could be workshopping or working in a, an apartment in a concrete apartment block in the middle of New York and not see a tree for three weeks. So it'd be totally disconnected from nature, even that's, though that's really important to me. And after three weeks, that, that I could come back to that and reinfuse that with truth and I'll be okay. Other quality of life statements, like the one about my health, the one about my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, they're not like a rubber ball because a rubber ball you can drop and it'll bounce back. Or even if you leave it for a while, it'll, it'll stay still on the ground. You can still go and pick it up again and get it going again. Crystal balls aren't like that. So if I drop um, my health or if I drop my relationship with my wife or I drop my relationship with my kids, it, they'll start to crack. 
and if I keep dropping them, if I keep neglecting those things, if I keep making decisions that um, deprioritize these things, at some point they'll, they'll shatter, they'll, they'll break. So when push to comes, comes to shove, it's good to know which are which. And then when mm. times get, when the crises come, when the real chaos kicks in, grab your crystal balls, keep them close. And usually that's your own physical and emotional health um, and, the, and the health and resilience and quality of the, your most intimate relationships. Like for example, my example, my, my relationship with my extended community is important to me, but I can neglect that for a month and it'll make a, a fantastic comeback. If I seriously neglect my marriage for a month or my health for a month, um, there might not be a, a comeback. Mm, such a great way to frame it. The, the comeback, the things that we can come back to. And it, you know, as long as we know we can, mm. then we're okay. We're good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think that my business was, if I was honest, was as important as my family. Mm. So sometimes, you know, oh, the business needs me. So I run off and the family takes it. But these days I'm clear which, which is a rubber ball and which is a crystal ball. Yeah. Such a good distinction. My gosh. Thanks, Dan. Always so wonderful to chat to you. Um, I really, really appreciate this conversation and letting live examples in today. Uh, and we both faced our fears on that front and it worked swimmingly well. So that's good. It was beautiful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah, really, yeah, it was great. Oh, there were some big ahas there. I could see it in their it faces. It was goosebumps. It was yeah. goosebumps. You can't. There were goosebumps. You can't. Um, yeah. Got to be. Best barometer ever. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> so thank you so much. Now, how can people get in touch with your work either in an online context or in physical workshops at the moment? What's the best way? Uh, well, I've got a new website that lists all, all the stuff I'm doing, including a holistic decision-making workshop. So that's designingforlife.com. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then there's also holisticdecisionmaking.org that has videos, articles, free resources about, um, about the approach. And a lot of people around the world... Uh, there's enough free stuff there for people to get up and running with it. So if people Brilliant. are interested to learn more, there's, there's plenty there. And I'm sure it. I'll have a link to this conversation there at some point. So. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we'll have a link to all of those things in the show notes. Thank you once again, Dan Palmer. Love the work you do and love the support you give our community, helping them navigate some of the tougher decisions in life. Uh, and uh, it's always, um, so it feels, I feel very lucky to be able to bring you to our community. Thanks. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. Uh, and uh, there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit uh, stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written over the past nine years of writing a blog. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com 
forward slash lowtoxlife and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added and I can't wait to see where that community takes us. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus uh, Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Oh,